0: Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. Happy Wednesday.
1: Happy Wednesday.
0: So we are going to be discussing your sermon that you just gave, well, at the four o'clock service, um, our first midweek service after Ash Wednesday and uh, before our 630 service, which is kind of a fun time to record.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We are between soup and sandwich, and now we're going to record.
0: Tell me about the sermon series that you chose for our Wednesday midweek services.
1: Yeah, we are looking at the five shortest books of the Bible. And why did we choose that? Uh, one reason was, well, it sounded like a cool title for our sermon series. which was just the five shortest books. But it's also uh, places in Scripture that we don't always turn to so often. And so it would be good to invite some reflection on each of these books. And so uh, this week we have the fifth shortest book, which is the book of Jude.
0: Can you give us a brief summary of the book of Jude?
1: Yeah, Jude is a letter and it is written, uh, we think, uh, by the brother of James, who happens to be the brother of Jesus. So Jude would be one of Jesus's uh, half-brothers. I think Mark chapter 6 has a reference to the name Jude. Uh, the name Jude is more rightly rendered Judah or Judas, but the latter of the two you know, became less popular to use. And so over time, we just refer to it as the book of Jude. And this letter he writes to Christians. Uh, It's a later letter, probably the 60s or so AD. And there's kind of two twin themes here he's dealing with of, hey, do not give into licentiousness and and kind of the ways of the world and the temptations of our flesh and this sort of thing. Don't do these things. And he cites a plethora of examples of, in the past, what happens here. He's also encouraging uh, the Christians not to swap out the teachings of the faith for something else, to hold on to the faith that was delivered. And you get the great line from Jude, Uh, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, that what we have received in Christ, it really is enough, and it really is for us, and this faith that we have in Christ will sustain us to the end. And so it is written to be a letter of encouragement.
0: Very good. And so maybe for those who are listening, it might be good just to pull out your Bible if it's possible to look at Jude, because I'm going to just refer to some verses I did have questions about, if that's okay. Sure. So I actually want to start with verse 4, because it's right after you mentioned to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I was kind of confused by it. It says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God in the sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. I guess the part I was confused about was it says they were long ago designated for this condemnation. So it almost sounds like they were designated to like go to hell. But we know is from other parts of scripture that God doesn't, choose people to go to hell. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out what that means.
1: Yeah. So this is not a double predestination sort of move here. You can see why I can get read that way, but I think it's just more that it's been designated long ago, those who reject the faith, those who reject Christ.
0: So it was known that they would. Well, it's just
1: like the condemnation has been said that this is, this is the consequence for rejecting the one who's the way, the truth and the life. It's going to be this condemnation. So I think he's more speaking of that as opposed to saying, here are those who are predestined for condemnation. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay,
0: that makes sense. Um, a couple other verses that probably were a little confusing. If we go to verse 9, talks about the archangel Michael. It says here, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So can you tell us what that means
1: yeah to find the citation for this you have to turn to something known as the assumption of moses and it's something that's labeled in the category of pseudepigrapha uh, means a, a false author a pseudo uh, false and then you know the writing and it was probably written around this time as well and it was a a known story and so jude while he's referring to biblical examples he's also referring to, you know, other examples, you know, even in the kind of the given culture of the day. We see Paul do this, like in Acts 17, he's walking around the marketplace and he sees all the different idols that are being made and he appeals to the unknown God. That's um, one of these uh, gods as well. And he uses that to connect to proclaiming the gospel. And so even just how a sermon can use other stories and things and point us back to Christ, you know, Jude is doing a similar thing. But it does come a little out of the blue here, right? You know, What, yeah. is, what is this uh, discussion here with uh, Michael and uh, debating over the body of Moses? Another good example is he mentions Enoch later on.
0: Right, that's verse 14.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another one of those kind of moments there. And so uh, Jude is making his case, and he's using kind of pop culture sort of examples of the day. He's using Old Testament examples. And again, it's for the point of admonishing, encouraging the church that what we have in Christ is truly enough and that will sustain us to the last day.
0: Yeah, and I think it just said something in here from the study Bible that even Michael was appealing to the Lord for judgment. He wasn't making that judgment himself, right? So,
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and especially here you get this discussion in the letter just about authority and throwing off authority and so on. And what is characteristic of the devil is throwing off uh The place he has been put into under the authority of God, you know, doing his own thing. Even Michael, the angel here, is appealing to God's authority still. And you have these uh, false teachers or whoever else creeping in, throwing off the authority of, here's what Christ has laid down in the faith. Why are you questioning this? But they are.
0: Okay, so let's get to your sermon now. What was its central teaching? Uh,
1: The central teaching is that Jesus saves us now. He has saved us in the past, and we will be saved in the last day through Christ.
0: So you started out your sermon telling a story about when you were in school, right?
1: Yeah, sixth grade camp. That's our first in- learning to play euchre. That was not in the sermon, but that's that's when that was.
0: Um, I hadn't even heard of euchre at that point. Oh, boy. It wasn't until college. Anyways, sorry, off topic. So, If you, you know
1: how to play euchre, uh, please let us know when you listen to this episode. All right, go ahead, do
0: <laughs> Okay, so in your class, you guys uh, had to journey through trails right in the woods
1: yeah we did this orienteering training and so like how to use a compass how to use it with a map locate like coordinates and make your way to different destinations it was just part of sixth grade camp uh, one of the days of the camp
0: and the point was to be able to use the tools that you had at your disposal to be able to follow the task yeah kind right? of find your way finding yep. your way yeah okay
1: and so i brought that up and, and i connected to, to jude uh dealing with the idea of kind of giving up <laughs> or kind of cheating a little bit, uh, going outside the boundary lines, not uh, going about this the way that is was intended, and then also the idea of not trusting the tools that we were given. These are the two ideas that the people are dealing with in Jude's day of, we're going to engage in licentiousness, we're going to go outside of God's boundaries and, and, and do whatever we want, or we're going to try to substitute parts of the faith for something that we think is better or flashy or, or some we can trust this instead of the faith that was given to us. And so that was kind of the analogy I was using with the sixth grade camp. Um, but this uh, idea of finding our way and what we've been given really is enough. And what the church has been given in Jude's day and in today really is enough.
0: Or you just mentioned how there was this temptation for the Christians to give into licentiousness, or to sub out the teachings of the faith. And I guess just right away that made me think of like the the first petition of the Lord's Prayer about um we keep God's name holy when the word of God's taught and it's truth and purity. So when you sub out the the teachings of the faith, we're not hallowing God's name. Right. Um but also when we live holy lives according to it. So it's just interesting how in the letter of Jude, we have both sides of them, you know, our actions, but also like the teachings of the faith. They both matter and you can't compromise on either of them.
1: Yeah. And this is uh, keeping God's name hallowed and that we have been brought into the name of Jesus and that's, it, it involves all of these things.
0: So then what was the problem that your sermon sought to identify?
1: It's sort of twofold. Uh, Jude is warning against these these outside influences, uh, these sort of imposters that are infiltrating the church and what they're doing with the licentiousness and the temptation to swap out the faith, so avoid those things. But it's also this idea of, are we, in some sense, are we going to be okay?
0: Are we, as a church, going to be able to face what's next, yeah. what's ahead of us?
1: Yeah, we'll we be able to face what's next because the church has not yet lived in Jude's day into the second century. Our, you know, In our day as the church... We have yet to experience the rest of the 21st century. The church um, is always you know, in the present, and we don't know what's about to come. Even with all of our history, all of our past, and how that can shape and inform things, you know, we still don't know what tomorrow is going to bring.
0: There's that uncertainty that you brought up, too.
1: Yeah, and that feeling of uncertainty can bring about a feeling of no longer feeling safe.
0: Which I guess that then leads us to the question, how do you get to Jesus in your sermon?
1: Yeah, and this took me to the second memory, and so I jumped ahead to college. So we made it out of the woods in sixth grade, and then a few years passed, and now it's college. And I was recalling a Sunday morning where uh, uh, Kimber, our former family life minister here, uh, you know, we were in the same class and in undergrad, and she uh, drove me to church with some other friends. And I was recalling a sermon that I heard, and I don't really remember much of it. I just really remember one line, and uh, the pastor happened to be uh, uh, Pastor Scott Geiger, right, who had served here for a time. And the line in the sermon was, by Jesus' redemptive work, you are not just saved, you are safe.
0: What do you think the significance of that line was for you?
1: Sometimes it's easy for us to treat the gospel as just a past tense event in our lives, that here's the moment where I became a Christian, or I know Jesus died for me in the past, and he rose from the dead for me in the past. But sometimes we forget how this good news breaks into our present day lives and matters for us now. And so I just love the simple change of tense that we're not just saved. And of course we are, but we are safe now too. And I just remember how meaningful that was to me and how that stuck with me even till today. And I guess maybe um, a connection for us is to think about even the worship service. The worship service isn't just simply a history lesson. Hey, remember these things in the past and that's it. Right, you know, we'll, we'll read the scriptures of old, and then we preach the realities of God into the present of what God is doing right now. Uh, the Lord's Supper happens now, and the forgiveness is now, and we are safe now. And sometimes we need to hear the Gospels, not just simply the past tense event or the future salvation that's coming for us in the last day, but it really is now. Which means everything really is going to be okay, and that seems to be the message that Jude is trying to get across to his hearers. And it's a message I think it's worth hearing on the on a Wednesday in Lent. Um, it's going to be okay; we're safe now.
0: Yeah, I love that emphasis on the present, right now, because you are right. It's so there is that temptation just to think as Christians it's that we were we were saved past tense, or we have the hope of a future where everything will be okay. But sometimes both that true, both true and good and important. Yes. And I don't think we're trying to say otherwise, but you're trying to emphasize the present tense, especially for those times when the future can feel very distant and even the past there, you know, it's already happened and that can feel distant too, in a way. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I guess I like that emphasis on the present. Um, But it's interesting, the word, yeah, safe, as opposed to saying, like, Jesus saves us, present tense. Um, I guess when I think of safe, I think of secure.
1: Secure. Um, Yeah, that there is, that's where the certainty is found. So this will be the fifth shortest podcast? Is that the the goal so next week will be shorter? Is that what we're going to do, too?
0: Oh, I like that. I I'm up to that challenge. (laughs) All right. Okay.
1: Well, hey, uh, maybe just do a quick commercial. Uh, Just a reminder to folks, uh, you should scroll back in your feed. If you haven't listened to, we put out a bonus sort of episode uh, where we interviewed a guest pastor, uh, Pastor Jeff Smith. Uh, He is especially a friend of deaconesses from undergrad He's a classmate of mine at Sam. He's
0: more of a friend of mine than he is of <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's um, so mean. I'm but sorry. we had a
1: good discussion. We actually listened through his sermon and then talked about it with him. So it's a bit of a different format. And not this week, but next week I plan to release another one of these in uh, Under Shepherd episodes. And we'll have my friend uh, Jeff Wade from Michigan. He's a pastor up there.
0: He's more your friend than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> not okay. that we're ranking these people,
1: but yeah. just kidding. All right.
0: Okay, well, very good. Well, thank you, Pastor. This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to our discussion, everyone. In case you missed the sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon's in the show notes, and you can also find it on our church website, stjohndublin.org. And if you, the listener, would like to submit a question about sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the Lord this week.
1: Thanks, Deaconess. We'll see you.
0: Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.